Hello and welcome to the C3 Sunderland podcast. We are so glad that you're here. We're believing that you'll be filled with faith and encouraged by hope as you tune into this message today. Has anyone else had one of these weeks? I feel like Ian and I have had a kind of week where it's Sunday again already. And we've like been texting each other about the plan for today, but not actually had time to have a conversation. And that's when you know it's December, isn't it? That's when you know Christmas is here. We've, uh, one of my mom friends from school sent me a meme yesterday that was just basically like, um, all parents will get this. This is the season where there's a message on the school communications that remember today you need your pound for Christmas jumper today remember tomorrow you need your tombola remember tomorrow you need your raffle to remember tomorrow you need to bring a kidney for the uh <laughs> and I thought yeah we're we're nearly there we're nearly there so how good is it to gather on a Sunday morning to have a moment in God's presence to pause everyone take a breath in and breathe and get ready for what God wants to speak to our hearts today. And I'm really excited to bring the word today. Um, I really believe that God wants to do something significant in, in us through his word. And as we've already reflected on through our Advent wreath, who's loving these flameless safety LED candles? There is a switch on it where you can turn it to like just being solidly on or it can flicker. If you watch closely, there's a little bit of a flicker. And you could almost think it's a real candle. But as we've already mentioned today, the second week of Advent, traditionally, it can be about reflecting on two things. It can either be reflecting about peace or it can be reflecting about preparation. And as we were coming into this Christmas season, we just had the strong sense that the direction that God was inviting us to lean into was preparation. We have called the, the series for this month, Prepare Him Room. Now that actually comes not from the Bible, but from a Christmas carol, Joy to the World, where it says, let every heart prepare him room. But there's something about the spirit of this line of this carol that captured our hearts for what God wants to speak to us about this Christmas. And to begin this morning, I want to invite us to think about, well, what are we actually making room for? Like, you know, for many of us, as I've just mentioned, sometimes at Christmas, it's nice to have a moment of making room just for the sake of making room. <laughs> like a little bit of respite from the busyness, a little bit of an antidote from the school asking you to give a kidney for the Christmas fair. <laughs> a little bit of a, yes, I'm going to pause and just be and light the candles in the living room, maybe have a nice chilled hour to myself of, um, I don't know, whatever it is, a break from wrapping presents, a break from going to Christmas concerts, a break from whatever busyness looks like for you at Christmas. But what I want to say today, that making room is not just for the sake of making room. Making room is not just an antidote for the busyness of the season. Making room is not just about making room for hope and joy and peace and love and the things that we like to think about at Christmas. Making room is about clearing the way for the very glory of God to be revealed in our lives and beyond. 
I want to reread to us today our Advent scripture that Adam and Emma shared with us earlier. We're reading from Isaiah chapter 40, and we're looking at verse 3 to 5. The prophet says this, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become a plain. Oh, sorry, the rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I've been feeling really reflective this week. And, you know, when I think about what God has done in the last year in our church, in our lives, in people's workplaces, in people's families, in people's health, in people's different circumstances, I am blown away. My faith has been so stirred in this past 12 months. My eyes, as I look towards the future, I'm like, God, I'm so hungry for what you want to do. My heart's cry as we move towards the end of this year and get ready for the new one is, Lord, we want your glory here. We want more of your presence. We want more of your spirit. We want more of your power. We want more of your fullness. And when we're talking about the glory of God being revealed, we're not just talking about a nice feeling that we might come away with on a Sunday. We're not just talking about the great and rich community that we are building here as a church. We're not just talking about a word that might challenge and inspire us on a Sunday and that we might think about through the week. We are talking about longing for the glory of God to be revealed and for all people, as the prophet says, to see it together. The invitation today is simple. Would we be a people who are captivated by his glory? And as we think about our theme, prepare him room. Would we be a people who will do whatever it takes to see his glory revealed? You know, the image that Isaiah paints here in chapter 40, is of God coming to his people as a triumphant king. Returning from battle, he has won, the victory is secure, the future is prosperous, everything is going to be well. And it's like this image of his people preparing the road for him so that he can travel with glory and ease. What I want to speak over us today is that God is not far off. He has won the battle. He is victorious. He is on his way to his people, full of life, full of freedom, full of joy, full of hope, full of goodness. And the invitation goes out to his people. Would we prepare the way? Now, this for me raises the question, well, why does God need us to prepare the way? Like, God is God. He can do anything. He could... Come and reveal himself right now and the whole city could get saved in a moment. God could surely speak and all the mountains will come down. God could surely blink and all the valleys would be filled in. 
But the thing about God is that he doesn't just want to come in and override our lives. God wants to work in partnership and relationship with the ones he calls his people. God never wants to come in and steamroll your life. He wants to invite you into a lifelong union and partnership with him that is about clearing the way and making room for him to come in. Now, this is tricky because who knows there's loads of stuff that can get in the way in our lives. I don't know about you, but I've got plenty of valleys, plenty of mountains, plenty of rough ground and rugged places (laughs) as I look around my life. We are imperfect people living in an imperfect world. And this side of eternity, we must engage in preparing the way for God's glory to be revealed. So every Friday afternoon is my big clean day at home. Does anyone else have a big cleaning day? It's like we do the, I I get all the... uh, I'm about to reveal how little I actually know about cleaning. (laughs) But whatever it is, I know some people are professionals and some people, I just think I missed some lessons in school or something. I don't know how to iron. Actually, when when Ezra was four, I got the iron out of the cupboard once and he was like, mum, what's that? And I was like, oh. (laughs) Anyway, by the by, on a Friday... I always do a big clean. I go through room to room. Everything gets put back in its place. Even the chairs get pulled out to dust and sweep behind them. It's a big clean. You get the tunes on. I'm going to start making a cleaning playlist that you can all subscribe to. (laughs) And I go through the whole house, putting things back where they should be, preparing for the weekend, and hopefully the week ahead. However, every Monday morning... I'm always amazed and incredibly frustrated by how much everything is a mess again. There's things out of place, the shoes at the bottom of the stairs, um, like beds haven't been made properly, towels haven't been folded away. You just think, who has been in this house over the weekend? There's only three of us. And sometimes I have people around for dinner, but what on earth has taken place in the past 48 hours to reclutter and to remess this house? But you know, I kind of think that paints a picture of the way that obstacles can so easily come into our lives. There are things that can come in between us seeing God's glory with the exact same ease. Like, whoa, where did that come from? Like, oh, like we come to church on Sunday. We have an amazing time in worship. How good was it to have Abiola on worship for the first time today? Woo! You know, we're lifted up by fellowship together. We're encouraged by the word. We're equipped and we're ready to go. The house is clean. Everything is in order. Everything is in place. But by Tuesday morning, gosh, life is full. (laughs) There's places to be. There's stuff to do. There's arguments that we've had. There's things that we know we shouldn't have thought and said that we've thought and said. There's perhaps temptations we've got caught up in and we thought we'd broken free of them, but by Tuesday we're wondering what's going on. Maybe we've missed a day in our Bible reading plan and now it seems extra hard to get back into it. Maybe we've squeezed a couple of prayers in at best, but Sometimes by the time we hit Tuesday, the feeling can be like, man, I'm going to need to wait for that Sunday reset again. 
That's before we even think about the deeper things going on in our hearts. That's before we even think about the spiritual battles we're facing. The real and practical circumstances that surround our lives. I don't know about you, but when I look at my life, there are plenty of valleys. There are many mountains. And there is no shortage of rough ground and rugged places. And while we have the desire for God's glory to be revealed, for all people to see it together, I think sometimes we struggle to figure out quite how to prepare the way. Well, for the rest of our time together today, I just want to make four observations that I pray will help and equip us not just to be people that desire God's glory to be revealed, but also to play our part in preparing the way for him. Are we ready this morning? Perhaps you're wishing, Kat, I wish you were just talking about peace, but here we go. (laughs) We're going to make some room. The first observation that I want to make about making room is that it's costly. If preparing the way is about removing obstacles on the road to our hearts, then we have to be prepared to count the cost of removing those obstacles. In much the same way that if we wanted to build a new road from this venue out to our house, that would be great, wouldn't it? A road straight to church. Who would enjoy that? We would. It would cost something. It would require energy, effort, resources. Making room involves counting the cost. Now, the cost could look like the things in themselves, but the cost could also look like the time, space, and energy it takes to remove those obstacles. For example, choosing to make more time to listen to God's voice in prayer will require us to give something else up in order to have that time to spend listening to God's voice in prayer. It will also perhaps cost us in energy and maybe even frustration as we grapple with building a new habit. Another example, choosing to honour God in our workplace by refusing to participate in office gossip will potentially be costly in that relational capital that kind of flows from joining in with it. It could also cost us blessing and promotion as we choose God's ways rather than the world's ways. Choosing to practice generosity might look like we ourselves going without something that we wanted to provide something that someone else needs. Choosing to be a present parent will cost us in that greatly sought after me time as we choose to invest in being there for our children. Making room costs something. But to have the joy of knowing and recognizing God's voice with ease, to walk in the light of knowing that our character is above reproach, to be free from the grip of material things and worry about money, to have a rich and life-giving relationship with our kids, I think it goes without saying that when we make room for things in our lives, the cost is worth it. Being a disciple of Jesus comes hand in hand with counting the cost. 
And you might be thinking, Kat, this is quite a funny message to share at Christmas where we tend to focus on God's gift and God's grace. But why did the wise man lavish these incredibly expensive gifts on a baby? Because they knew that counting the cost right there and then was worth it in being part of seeing his glory revealed. In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Making room may well involve us counting a cost. In this Advent season, as we get ready for remembering and celebrating the arrival of Jesus, I want us all to think about where am I counting the cost in my life right now? If there's nothing that comes to mind in particular, it might be time to invite Jesus to show you where it could be. I love the lyrics of the song that we sang earlier this morning. It says, here is where I lay it down, every burden and every crown. This is my surrender and my prayer for us this Christmas is that wouldn't just be a nice song to sing but it would reflect a habit that we have in our lives of coming to lay our lives down at Jesus's feet on a regular basis making room might look like counting the cost but it is worth it for seeing God's glory revealed the second thing uh, the second observation I want to make today about making room is that making room calls for change the verse that we've read today in Isaiah 40 is actually referring to John the Baptist who he's in there in the Christmas story Elizabeth becomes pregnant with John the Baptist six months before Mary becomes pregnant with Jesus and John the Baptist becomes that voice calling in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. When you skip into Luke chapter 3, you can see John preparing the way for Jesus' ministry to begin. What was John's message? It was a call to repentance. The way that John prepared the way for Jesus' arrival and ministry was preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins. What I love about this is it shows us that the glory of the Lord being revealed follows genuine life change. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to a life of discipleship with him where we are seeing our lives genuinely change. Repentance isn't just about saying sorry. Repentance means a 180 degree turnaround from a way of thinking or behaving that shows genuine change. We have this conversation quite regularly with Ezra in our household. We don't just want him to apologize for what he has done. We want him to stop doing it. <laughs> we don't just want your apology, son. We want your repentance. When we follow Jesus, we receive his forgiveness and we live under his grace. Who is thankful today for the grace of God? Who is thankful today for his forgiveness in our lives? 
But what I think Christmas can remind us of is the fact that even though we are saved by grace, we are forgiven. When Jesus looks at us, it is as if we had never done anything wrong in our whole lives. But that doesn't mean that we stay as we are. It means we have died to who we used to be and that we are raised to new life in him. A new life that is to reflect who he is and reveal his glory to the world around us. That's what baptism represents. We go under the water, we die to our old self, and we are raised to life in Christ. I want to read to us from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. Paul says this, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? This is like in response to like, well, if God's grace grows, the more we sin, then shouldn't we just sin more? He says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into, Jesus, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Whatever is true of Jesus is true of you today if you are in him. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I know this is a lot of scripture today, but it's good. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. What this scripture tells us is that in Jesus, we have a total change of status. This isn't about trying our best in our own efforts to modify our own behavior. This is about us recognizing, receiving, operating, living under the fact that we have died to sin and the ways of the world and we have been resurrected and planted in the life that Jesus has for us. For his glory to be revealed in us, we need to live with both feet firmly planted in the resurrection life that we have in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you felt that wrestle. You felt that tension. You're like, Jesus, I want to live your way, but the way of the world has been pulling me down. The way of the world has felt like it's got me trapped. It's got like encroaching in on all sides. I want to declare over you today, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are in his life. You are no longer a slave to sin. You have been set free. And what that leads us to ask is, well, are there any areas in our lives where we're not living them unto God? I'd imagine that there'll be something for each of us every single day of our lives that we need to bring before God and repent. The wonderful thing is this, as Romans 2 verse 4 reminds us, it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. 
what Christmas shows us is God is not this angry, far-off figure just waiting for us to sort our lives out. What Christmas shows us is that God comes down to be with his people, to show them the true way of life and love, to show the kindness of God and to lead us to repentance. And this leads to the third observation I want to make this morning. The third thing is this, making room requires Jesus. You know, and as much as this verse in Isaiah is inviting us to a partnership to clear the way for him, what it also makes really clear is that we can't do it without him. Isaiah 40 launches a new section of the book of Isaiah, and the theme of Isaiah 40 onwards is all about the Messiah. It is all about Jesus, and it is all about the consolation of Israel. You've maybe heard that word thrown around at Christmas. You think of Simeon in Luke's gospel, and the Bible tells us he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, in our English language, the word consolation kind of means like, oh, there, there. It's be all right. It'll be right. Yeah, like the consolation prize. You don't want to, I don't want to give my kidney at the school fair to win the consolation prize. I want to win the real thing. Just to clarify, no one's been giving up any organs. <laughs> I've got this in my head too much. <laughs> what that word in the original language actually translates to, that word in the Greek when it says Simeon's waiting for the consolation of Israel, it says he is waiting for the parakletos. Now, you might have heard that word before in reference to the Holy Spirit. That is also what the Bible calls the Holy Spirit, and it can be directly translated as helper. In as much as we are called to make room, the amazing promises of the Bible is that Jesus Christ himself is here to come alongside us and help us to do everything that he's called us to do. When Isaiah says, fill in the valleys, you know, it's amazing to think that actually there's some valleys in our lives that can only be filled by Jesus. When Isaiah says, level the mountains, there are some mountains in our lives that can only be moved by the authority of his name. Where have you been striving in your own strength? Where have you been trying to make happen the things that God's put on your heart in your own efforts? Perhaps today is an invitation to enter back into a partnership with Jesus that looks like keeping in step with him. Being yoked with him. Not, run, not rushing ahead in our own efforts, not falling behind because we're overwhelmed, but keeping in step with Jesus. Perhaps this Christmas season is a time to invite him back in to your day-to-day, to your moment-to-moment. When you're looking at the obstacles in your life, it's actually Jesus who wants to help clear the way. The fourth and final observation that I want to make from this passage today 
is that making room isn't just for you. I've already mentioned I've had quite a reflective week and I had a bit of an emotional moment, uh, probably, probably on Wednesday actually, thinking about how this time last year, as a church, we'd just had the news that the venue we were meeting in were going to be no longer able to host us past January. And uh, we were like, oh, what do we do? We've probably inquired at every single venue in the city. We're a small church. We don't have a lot of options. We don't have a lot of resources. And so as we started knocking on the doors of some possible venues, it was like, for one reason or another, door shut, door shut, door shut. And by the end of December, we were strongly considering the option of hosting our Sunday services at our house, in our living room. <laughs> and, you know, where we were at as a church last year, even with some of the numbers that we were gathering on a Sunday, that would have been really possible and really lovely. It would have been nice and cosy. We would have had some great times of worship and prayer together. And it would have been very comfortable and risk-free. But for one thing, we had a strong sense that it would be really important for us this year to have a prominent front door. Not just to be tucked away in like our own community and following Jesus together and being equipped. And, you know, I think there is, there is a place for that. That's absolutely right and good. But we had this strong sense that we want to have a very open front door somewhere in the city where people can come in and experience God's presence. People can come in and connect with Jesus. People can come in and experience the love, the grace, the mercy of God. And so in the face of all the obstacles, practical, emotional, all the things that kind of were, were it was almost like every practical circumstance was saying, just do church at home. Just, just come back and get cozy in the living room. And I remember really vividly walking around the city centre, probably the first week in January, thinking, God, where do you have for us? We've, we've knocked on the door of every possible venue. And then I walked past somewhere I'd never seen before, which was Diego's back in Sunnyside. I'd never locked eyes on the place before. And I just thought, okay, we'll just give it a go. They said yes. That's led to us moving to the place. We had a great couple of months at the place, which has then led to us having this space here, being able to enter into a three-year agreement, being able to step forward. And the amazing thing is, is that we have kept a front door open as a church all year long and look at what God has done. We've seen our family grow. We've seen miracles. We've seen answered prayers. We've seen people recommit their lives to Christ. We've seen people grow in their own spiritual walk with Jesus. And what I'm convinced of as we stand here today is there is absolutely no way we could have contained all that God is doing in our living room. And what this is, what I feel like God's saying to me 
as we kind of draw this year to a close. I know we've got a couple more weeks. We've got one more week of Ian speaking next week. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to have an amazing carols and lessons. <laughs> no, as in, you might be, you might think. What I was trying to express was it's almost too early to quite start talking about the new year, but we're nearly there. We're nearly there. I just feel like God is inviting us to get ready for what he wants to do. Any great work of God begins with great preparation. It begins with clearing the obstacles out of the way. It begins with getting ready. As you look ahead to the new year, what is it that you're in faith for? I believe that Jesus is inviting each of us today to let the preparation work begin right now. It might be costly. It might require change. It might require us learning to walk in step with Jesus like never before. But isn't it worth it? As we come to a close today, what I want to do is I want to lead us in a prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. Because if you pray it and mean it, it's going to look like inviting Jesus into our hearts to do whatever it is that he wants to do. It's not just a nice song to sing. It's a dangerous invitation. Because I know in my heart, gosh, there's some things that need to get out of the way. I know in my heart there's things that need healing that I don't necessarily want to bring to the surface for God to deal with. I know in my heart there's probably attitudes that I'm not even aware of that God is waiting for permission to come and poke at. But what I do know is that I want my next 12 months to look like the glory of the Lord being revealed and all the people seeing it together. And I don't want to get in the way anymore. I don't want to even let circumstances that can be so real and so dominating in my life have authority over what God wants to do and be revealed. And so I simply want to pray for us today. And as we pray, I want to invite you, perhaps you want to open your hands, close your eyes, whatever it is that looks like surrender to you. I just want to lead us in a prayer of preparing the way for God. And so, Father, we thank you that you're here right now. Lord, we thank you that your presence is real. We thank you 
our faith is alive. We thank you that your grace and mercy is towards us. Lord, we thank and rejoice over every single thing that we've seen you do in the last year. Every door that you've opened, every miracle that you've performed, every prayer that you have answered, every captive that you've set free, every chain that you've broken off our lives, every wound that you've healed, Lord. And we say we are hungry for more. Lord, we want to see what you've done in our lives in this past year tenfold in the next. And so we prepare our hearts. We make room right now. Lord, if there's any area of our life that you're calling us to count the cost in today, we ask that through your Holy Spirit you would reveal that to us right now. It might be a time cost, might be a practical cost, might be a pride cost, Lord, where we've been holding on to something and today's the day that we lay it down. We choose to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you, Jesus. Lord, where there's anything in our lives where we need to change, we need that not just saying sorry, but we need that life change, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your kindness towards us. And through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to make that change. We bring that thing before you now. We lay it down at the cross and we choose to never pick it up again. Would you rule and reign in that area in our lives? Lord, for the areas where we've been striving in our own strength, we thank you that you've given us the helper. Lord, where the circumstances in our lives now where we feel that we need to solve them alone, instead we choose to lift our eyes to the hills where our help comes from. And we choose to be in step with you. Lord, where our narrative's been dominated by what the world says, we choose to come and line up our thoughts with what you say. And finally, Lord, we lift up the people who aren't in this room who are going to be this time next year. Lord, we thank you that you would use us and choose us to reveal your glory to our city, to the people around us in our world. Lord, we ask that you would break our hearts afresh 
that you would give us vision, that you would help us fix our eyes on who we're clearing the way for, Lord. Would you help us become expert road engineers of clearing obstacles out of people's way so that they can see you, so that they can see your glory, Jesus. We thank you and we rejoice over everything that we've seen you do, Lord. We don't minimize it for a second. We don't take it for granted for one second. Lord, we thank you for every single incredible person that you've added to the life of our church this year. And we prophesy and we speak that as we prepare the way for you, Lord, your glory will be revealed and all people will see it together. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you'd like to know more, visit our website at c3sunderland.church or follow us on Instagram at c3sunderland. We'll see you next time.